1: Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This is one where I'm having a returning guest that made a huge difference in my productivity. It's Dr. Michael Bruce. He is a clinical psychologist, a diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine, a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. He's previously been on the before talking about his book, The Power of When, Discover Your Chronotype. If you don't remember what a chronotype is, don't worry, we're going to briefly cover that in this conversation, and then meld that into the new book, which is called Energize, that he co-wrote with SoulCycle founding instructor Stacy Griffith. This book's called Energize, and that's the point getting more energy, having more energy, storing up more energy, using energy better through not only sleep, which has to do with the chronotype, like we said, eating a better diet or eating at the right times of day. We're going to talk a little bit about intermittent fasting, and we're going to talk about movement, motion, activity. And no, I don't just mean working out. I mean stretching and or doing certain motions at certain times of the day. Again, based on your chronotype, based on your body type and based on your diet and all of the above moving together. That's really the beauty you get here when you've got a sleep doctor and a soul cycle instructor merging the physical side of things and the sleep side of things to this whole approach of energy. When it comes to not only knowing your body type, knowing your sleep type, but also getting better sleep, having better energy through diet, sleep, etc. All of that stuff, working and folding in on each other, causing momentum, creating energy. So I know you're going to love this conversation. Michael's always great to have on the show. So I'll just get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Dr. Michael Bruce. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Dr.
0: Michael Bruce.
1: Woohoo! Welcome back. No sleeping Thanks, on the job. Thanks, buddy.
0: I know. Right. I've been sleeping for five years. Now I'm back.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, if I could sleep through the I mean, imagine that, though, that was right. Wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) Well, I think you'd have a pretty big shock if you woke up right now having slept the last five years. That would be a bit crazy.
0: Yeah. If you rip Van Winkle it for five years and then showed up now life would be weird not that it's not weird because no. it's really freaking weird but if you just woke up to this oh my goodness <laughs>
1: yeah yeah totally totally but that's how far back it was you were here uh talking about your book on chronotypes which was yep. honestly eye opening and amazing and it really had a lot of productive value out of that for my own sake but then even just thinking amazing. about you know my now teenager yeah and my now 10-year-old son Right. Thinking about that. And and even my wife. So that was a very interesting. And we can talk a little bit about chronotypes as a revisit. In fact, maybe we should start there just to kind of say, okay, some people may already be familiar with you on that. Mm -hmm. But those that aren't, we could cover that base real quick. And then we've set that foundation to tie into other things.
0: Awesome. I'm ready to go. If you are. Should I just lay it out there for you? Let's
1: go. So chronotype. What is that? There's the softball question.
0: (laughs) Why, thank you. I will take the softball. So, prototypes are to be clear from a definition standpoint, they are a genetically predetermined schedule for all hormonal function in your body, not just the sleep hormones, but all hormonal function. So many people have not heard of the term chronotype before, but you've definitely heard of this as a concept if you've ever been called an early bird or a night owl. I can't think that there's anybody listening that hasn't ever heard of those terms before. So if Let me break it down a little quickly for everyone so they can understand what the chronotypes are because there's actually a fourth one and that was my contribution to the literature. So historically, we've always known about an early bird Then there was people in the middle, we actually called them hummingbirds, believe it or not, in the scientific vernacular. And then night owls, right? This has been going on since the 70s. There was a group of scientific researchers that came up with a questionnaire called a morningness-eveningness questionnaire that helped bifurcate and uh, allow us to section up or categorize people into different categories. Uh, Initially, they were just two, early bird and night owl. And then they figured out Not everybody's an early bird and not everybody's a night owl. So they had to have some in-betweeners. So they called them hummingbirds. Now, I also want to go backwards for just a second back in time to hunter-gatherer villages because I want people to understand this has been around literally since there have been communities, right? So who were the hunters? Well, the hunters were the early birds. They were the people that got up the earliest, had their first kill before dawn type of thing, bringing food back to the village. Who were the villagers? Well, those were the hummingbirds, right? People who got up at a normal hour, went to bed at a normal hour and attended to the village. Then who was the security force? Well, those were the night owls, right? Because they were naturally awake anyway. Might as well stick a spear on their hand and have them go, right? So, you know, or bow and arrow or whatever. So at the end of the day, those three distinct positions have been around literally since the dawn of time. Now, to be fair, I'm not a bird. I'm a mammal. So I wanted to change the vernacular across the board, and I was adding a fourth chronotype. So what I decided to do was change it to animals. Now, Eric, you'll appreciate this. You can only imagine you're sitting in a marketing meeting for your next book, right? You've come up with these four categories, and everybody wants to know what are they going to be called. So I'd raise my hand and say, as the author of the book, I want to call them animals, and I want the animals to actually represent the circadian rhythmicity that we're talking about. So we have to choose animals that are actually early birds, choose animals that are actually night owls. Turns out nobody wants to be a porcupine. (laughs) Nobody wants to be a platypus. So I had to choose cool animals, right? That also represented each one of these. So early birds are now lions because, hey, who doesn't want to be the king or queen of the jungle? And we've actually learned a lot about them. These people have a tendency to be COOs. They wake up between 4.30 and 5.30 in the morning by themselves on purpose. Just to be clear, there's nothing I hate more than mornings than maybe morning people. They're just so damn chipper all the time. So these are those folks. These are kind of those alpha individuals who are by themselves waking up that early. Oftentimes, they make a list every day and they go from step one to step two to step three, kind of militant in their thinking. They get a lot of stuff done and they have a tendency to be leaders. But I will be honest with you. A lot of people say to me, oh, Michael, I wish I was a lion. That would be awesome, right? Let me tell you something. Dinner and a movie is out for a long They've been up since 4.30 in the freaking morning. It's like they're not, there's nothing social going on with the lions, right? It's all about waking up, health, work, go to bed type of thing. And so a little bit of a difference there. Middle hummingbirds, we turn them into bears. And by the way, everybody wants to be a bear. I want to be a bear and I'm not. And I kind of wish that I was. All of society works on a bear schedule. Bears make up 55, 0% of the population. So that being said, it's really best to be a bear. They have a tendency to wake up around 6, 30, 7 o'clock. They go to bed around 10. And um, these are the majority of the people. These are the folks that actually get work done. Oftentimes they're extroverted, but they can be a little bit on the introverted side on occasion. These are very enjoyable people, great friends, the kind of people that invite you to their home for the holidays. That's kind of that middle group of people. They do make up a large percentage of folks out there. Night owls, we call them wolves. That's me. I am a night owl. I am a wolf night owl. What's your chronotype? I can't remember.
1: So this is interesting to me because I am a bear, but I'm kind of wake up sometimes in lion mode and sometimes in bear mode. It kind of, mm-hmm. I, I think so it, you are I think, a
0: early bear. There so we we've go. We've discovered that there are hybrids of the bears because there's so many bears They yeah. make up 50, 55%. It made sense that there would be some type of uh you know, way to break them up. So there are early bears and there are late bears. So you might be an early bear where you have a tendency to wake up early on occasion.
1: And it really depends on what the season is. Season of the year, but also season of life. Oh. So for a while, it's, it's over now. But this mm-hmm. past school year, fall school year, my daughter had to be at cross-country practice at 6.30 a.m. And I oh. had to drop her off, which means both of us had to be up at 5.30. And I had worked it out to finally get up at like 6 6.00 to 6.30 and then right. suddenly had to shift back. And so oh. now I'm shifting back again where it's still dark and I'm, you know hibernating bear so i'm kind of shifting back into only bear mode yeah
0: i love it i love it okay so you're an early bear but shifting if you can yes for sure so i'm the wolf i'm that late night you know creative artists actors uh musicians have a tendency to be late night people we make really bad and risky decisions (laughs) on a regular basis that happens to us a lot because we're up at night and what else is there to do but get into trouble type of thing If we make a list, we go from step one to step 12 to step 47. It makes perfect sense in our heads, but it doesn't make any sense to anybody else. The final category is the dolphin. And this was really my biggest contribution to the literature was I think I've found a fourth chronotype. Now, to be clear... These are genetic. You don't get to choose these. So I could look on your 23andMe data or your Ancestry.com data, or you could send me a saliva sample and I could actually run it through a a marker system and be able to tell you almost exactly what your chronotype is. Turns out there's an area on your genetic strain uh, called the PER3. And when there's a flipping between the DNA building blocks, what we call a a single nucleotide polymorphism or a SNP, where it flips that way, it actually turns you into an early bird or turns you into a night owl or Turns you into an insomniac or turns you into a hummingbird slash bear. So there's a lot of kind of, I mean, I don't want to get too, too deep on the details there, but suffice it to say, I wish you could change it, but you can't. But let's talk about dolphins really quickly. Dolphins make up 10% to 15% of the population. These are my problem children for sure. They're my problem sleepers. They usually have more anxiety than most. They're the ones who are like constantly tapping their foot. (laughs) You know, that bouncing leg thing that people do. That's usually a clear sign that we're dealing with a dolphin. High energy people, a lot like lions, but to be fair, they've got a level of anxiety that's somewhat uh, difficult for them and it kind of keeps them from being able to reach a lot of their full potential. And that anxiety translates into erratic sleep patterns as well because If you've got anxiety and you're lying in bed and nobody's talking to you, guess what? Your head just starts going and going and going. And that's the number one complaint of dolphins is they can't turn off their brain. Mm. Now, lots of people have that problem. You're not only a dolphin if you have that issue because you can be a wolf, a lion, or a bear and still not be able to turn off your brain. But those are the four chronotypes. If folks want to figure out what your type is, you can go to chronoquiz.com. We mentioned that in the previous podcast, but we'll mention it again. That will tell you just what your chronotype is. But we have some new interesting stuff going on where you can learn your chronotype and something called your body type.
1: Well, and that's exactly where I was going to go next because with this new book called Energize that you co-wrote, there was another type. Yeah. And I thought, ooh, I loved the, the previous chronotype. What's right. a body type? So there are three different mm-hmm. body types. I'd love for you to jump in and you know explain yeah. what those are and then how do those tie into chronotypes?
0: Exactly. So first of all, great question. So um, if you remember back to high school biology now, I know that's a stretch, but if you think about it, Well, you actually learned the body types back then. So it's called an endomorph, a mesomorph, and an ectomorph. So ectomorph, E-C-T-O, are kind of my long and lean people. They usually have a tendency to be relatively thin and not carry a lot of weight on them. My mesomorphs, usually their shoulders are wider than their hips. They have a tendency to kind of hang weight on their frame in more of an athletic build or a V-shaped And then my endomorphs have a tendency to be more of a rectangle shape. They have a tendency to have a little bit, carry a little bit more weight, especially through the belly or in the hips for women. Those are my endomorphs. When you look at those different body types and you look at them very specifically, it has a lot to do with the speed of your metabolism. Long and lean have a tendency to be thinner. Endomorphs have a tendency to be thicker. So that's hint number one as to what we need to think about when we're thinking about chronotypes and we're thinking about body types. But let me tell you the story of how I got involved with body types because it was with my co-author, Stacey Griffith. So for folks who don't know, Stacey is one of the founding trainers of SoulCycle. If you don't know what SoulCycle is, it's that indoor bicycle place where you you know you go like crazy and there's music going and it's lots of fun. And it's very motivating, by the way. I've been to many of her classes. They're super fun. We became friends. She's a famous instructor in uh, Los Angeles and in New York. We had become friends. She had asked me for some advice on sleep. I had asked her some advice on fitness. We started talking and she said to me, Michael, my clients are exhausted. I'm like, what are you talking about? You work them out. I mean, they should be in great shape. They should have tons of energy. She's like, no, they're constantly exhausted. So I started asking questions about sleep. And then I said to her, I got to be honest with you. A lot of my patients tell me, even when they get good sleep, that they're not feeling energetic. And she was like, so we both kind of Believe it or not, Eric, the original title of the book was going to be called Exhausted, but it was just too negative, you know? So we were like, we're going to go energize and teach people how to be positive. But we we kind of came together and we said, I said, my patients need to be doing your exercise routines and your exercise patients, or clients rather, need to be doing my chronotypical sleep schedules. And so we were like, we got to write a book. So let's kind of try to figure this out. So there you go.
1: Yeah, that's great to know. So then how do the three body types connect to the four
0: chronotypes? Okay. It gets a little interesting here. So in one particular area that you wouldn't expect, we see a complete combination and it's actually quite helpful. Intermittent fasting, believe it or not. So that's not what you were expecting me to say, I'm sure. Right? Right. So when we think about our bodies and we think about energy, we really have to think about what are the different types of energy that are out there and how do we utilize them appropriately to maintain consistent, clean, good energy. You can't think about energy without thinking about fuel, right? So a car's got to have fuel, a body's got to have fuel. So number one, what is the most energetic way to diet? Not what you diet, but way diet. And there's lots of data on intermittent fasting or what we call time-restricted feeding, right? And so it's all based on this idea called autophagy. So autophagy is a scientific term, which has to do with our body's ability to metabolize both carbohydrates and fats. So when you put carbohydrates and fats into your belly, your body goes through them at a particular pace. Once it's done, it then moves on to burn straight up fat. Now, why is that important? When your body is burning carbohydrates, it's highly inefficient, not good energy. Plus, depending upon what the carbohydrates are, it's not going to be burning the fuel that you want. Think of it as leaded fuel with all the sugar and the processed food and all of those things. That's like putting leaded fuel into your tank, if you will. So being able to know when to fast becomes a very important deal. So what happens when you blow through that fuel that you put in, that unleaded fuel, you go to your reserve tank which is pure racing fuel, right? It's like the best fat that you can possibly burn. And so that actually gives you a higher level of overall energy. So we always want to be getting to that if we can, this state of autophagy. Now I'm going to back up and answer your question about how body type and chronotype mix together into this one area so people can really see it from an example standpoint. So one thing I learned, so I've been an intermittent faster for five years. Um, it's one of the ways that's really helped me stay lean as well as give me great energy throughout the day. But I'm a wolf, right? I'm a night owl and I can't eat in the morning time. I don't know about you, dude, but eating breakfast makes me ill. Now, don't get me wrong. I love breakfast food. Like, I like eggs and pancakes and all of those kind of things. Like, Those are delicious. But I cannot eat in the morning time because I'm a night owl chronotype, right? I'm a wolf chronotype. So I decided to move my fasting time to later in the day. Well, guess what? It worked even better. I was shocked. When I first tried intermittent fasting, and I'll tell you, I did this kind of the wrong way. Somebody said to me, if you only eat for a certain period of time during the day, you can eat anything you want. And I was like, okay, I'll try that. So I ate a pint of ice cream every single day for 30 days, okay? And I'm not talking low-cal, like full-on Hagen dazs Ben & Jerry, the whole thing, right, did not gain a single pound in 30 days, okay? But the dairy almost freaking killed me, all right? I mean, it was gross. So I'm never going to do that again. I'm probably moving more towards coconut milk and almond milk products now, but I don't eat ice cream every night. But the point is, you can do that. It's not the smartest idea in the world, but you can do that and maintain weight. Well, I wanted to lose weight, so I moved it to based on my chronotype. So I don't eat until almost two o'clock in the afternoon. And then I have a feeding window that's dictated by my body type. You were wondering when I was gonna bring the body type in. So ectomorphs are long and lean people. We don't want them fasting for long periods of time because they don't need to lose weight. So they'll start on a 12 and 12 schedule. Our mesomorphs, which are athletic built, They may want to lose a little bit of weight, but not too much. So we're going to move them to a 10-hour feed, 14-hour fast. And then our endomorphs who definitely want to try to lose weight, we put them on an 8-hour feed, 16-hour fast. So you see how I did that? Your body type determines the length of fast and your chronotype determines when you fast. That's how we combine the two to give people an idea of exactly what to do in the area of food choice, Well, not food choice, but rather when to eat and how long to eat
1: com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com,
1: dot to learn more. Okay. So then for me as a bear, but early bear, mm-hmm. and I believe I am, let me see if I can guess this right. I'm definitely not the endomorph. I'm not tall and slim.
0: Ectomorph is long and lean. Here's the easiest way to tell, and all of our listeners can do this as well. If you take your thumb and your second finger and you put it around your wrist, you're not squeezing too hard. If you can touch, you're a mesomorph. If your fingers don't touch, you're an endomorph. And if your fingers overlap, you're an ectomorph.
1: So that means that I would be an endomorph because they don't touch.
0: Right, so you're a early bear endomorph.
1: So then if I'm wanting to... Intermittent fast, which I've done before and had great success with and mm-hmm. really enjoyed, but just kind of fell off the wagon with it and maybe wasn't doing it at the right interval or time. So,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: I'm curious then. So an early bear, that's an endomorph.
0: So what I would have you do then is you would do a sixteen-eight schedule, right? Because you're an endomorph. And then because you're a bear, we would move you to the right timing based on a bear schedule, which would mean you would probably start eating, I want to say, around 11. But I, I'll double check because there's a lot of different combinations. There's like slow, medium, fast bear, slow, medium, fast wolves. So I, I don't have them all in my head, but we'll get it for you.
1: You saying 11 is funny because that's usually when I found I wanted to have something. Yeah. And and needed something (laughs) like, okay, now it's unbearable. I need to have something unbearable, meaning like, okay, I'm just really hungry, not starving or anything. Right.
0: So so let's use this as an example of 11 o'clock. Right. We know if you're an endomorph, you're only going to feed for eight hours. So if you start at 11, you stop at seven. And now, you know, now you know the length of your feed and when to eat. What you eat is dependent upon you. I got to be honest with you, dude. That's a big topic. I didn't want to try to take... I'm not a nutritionist. You know, that's not my area of expertise. And so I said to myself, you know what? I'm not going to try to take that particular topic on, but... We did uncover this really kind of secret weapon within intermittent fasting for folks. So I really want people out there. If you're going to try intermittent fasting, this is an easy way to start out to give yourself some parameters.
1: Well, it's funny, as you said, 11 to 7. And that's the other thing is like, I always kept thinking, OK, I can eat dinner. We usually in my house have dinner around the five to six o'clock hour. And then we well, you have younger kids, Yeah, Makes and sense. younger kids. And then I kind of say, you know, I was kind of allowing Okay, somewhere in the seven to eight o'clock hour, I can have like some popcorn and like uh, something to drink, and then that's it. And that's that's when I would try to cut it off. And so I was still maybe fudging the lines a little bit here, right? You know, maybe sometimes it was ten o'clock that I would start for the day. Some days it was, you know, oh, I better get that snack in tonight right. before eight o'clock, and then cut it right. off. But I was re- I was pretty much adhering to it. So
0: mm-hmm. so all I want you to do is you were really close. I would want you to back it up a little, mm-hmm. right? And so put yourself into that eight hour window. So 11 to seven and put an alarm on your phone at seven that just says kitchen's closed, right? Yeah. Just that's it. Kitchen's closed. And and that's what you tell yourself, right? You turn the light off in the kitchen. Like that's what I had to do. I actually had to turn the light off and I had to make sure that I didn't need to go into the kitchen for anything else throughout the day or throughout the rest of the evening, rather, just to get myself in that habit of not eating because I was a late night snacker like you wouldn't. I mean, dude, I would be eating stuff until 1130 at night, you know, just little stupid things that I wasn't even that hungry for. I'm just sitting there watching TV and you throw one in your mouth type of thing and you don't even think about it and you start to pack on the weight. And that just for me wasn't comfortable. And so that's why I kind of started to, you know, get a little bit more disciplined in my life and doing that. And honestly, dude, it's so much easier than having to think about what can I eat at nine o'clock at night as opposed to I just don't eat after eight type of thing.
1: Yeah, I'm done. I like the the phrase, the kitchen is closed. It's very kitchen cool. is closed. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're at a hotel and it's like, nope, sorry, cook's
0: gone home. Exactly. It's like room service is no longer available, sir. I'm sorry. (laughs) So that's one of the reasons why we wanted to get people involved because fuel is such an important part of energy. Right. And so for that whole aspect, now you have your rules. Now you have your parameters. You can go forward and do that. Sleep, we do all based on chronotype. And so that was from my previous book, The Power of Glenn, which you so thankfully interviewed me for a while back and has made an effect in your life. We really felt that that book was not going to be what it turned out to be. It turned out to be a great communication tool. We thought it was going to be a fun way to teach people how to do a few things, but people chronotype their whole family, just like what you did. And then you start to realize that you're like, oh, you're a lion. That's why you've got so much energy at six o'clock in the morning. I'm a wolf. Leave me alone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and people start to understand, like, oh, I get it now. Like your body type wants to do things at this time. Mine wants, let's find our common ground and let's work together. I mean, I can honestly tell you that my relationship with my daughter is significantly improved simply because I knew and understood her chronotype. Yes. Yeah. I used to walk in, in the morning, and say, hey Carson, it's time to wake up. And she'd be like, oh leave me alone, right? Like any teenager should. But if I walked in at two o'clock in the afternoon and I said, hey, Carson, how's it going? I could be sitting there for 90 minutes having a great discussion with my daughter about what she's learning in school. And there's nothing more important to me than that. So it's really interesting to start to learn how these hormonal shifts happen in our loved ones and people that we work with and people that we communicate with. And that's how we figure out how to do our best work. So it's pretty cool.
1: A lot of people... Obviously we've have been and still are going through and hopefully people are listening to this years in the future and there isn't a yeah. pandemic anymore. But we've been in one and obviously that has affected sleep and, and you did a survey oh, yeah. in terms of getting research, you know, anecdotal et cetera, for the book. I'm curious, were there any standout pieces of information that either surprised you or you thought, Oh, that's interesting, I gotta dig
0: deeper. There were, there were several. So we did actually did two different surveys and I'm going to tell you about both of them. So one was specifically to the pandemic, looking at habits and how habits started changing over the pandemic. Oh, brother, let me tell you, nobody followed any guidelines during the pandemic. It was like, I'm going to stay up until three o'clock and watch Netflix every single night. I'm going to throw on a ball cap and jump on a zoom call because I don't have a commute anymore. And I'm going to drink loads of coffee and wine time is going to show up at three o'clock in the afternoon. And that's pretty much what's been going on for the last 18 months. We've seen a dramatic increase in caffeine consumption. I think our numbers showed like 17%. Alcohol consumption increased by 23%. But here's the super scary one. Sleeping pill prescriptions and antidepressants are up by over 20% during the pandemic. 20%. We're talking about putting people on Drugs that they're going to be on for a very long period of time. We're talking antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication, not stuff you fool around with. That's something that you work with your doctor on. You got to find the right one. It can take a long time. Like there's a lot to doing something like that. 20 something percent increase just based on all of the stress surrounding COVID. So here's what we know. Corona somnia is a real thing, right? Like there's no question. Everybody is more stressed now. And Everybody's less energetic now. That's really the big reason why we put out the book when we did is because, holy cow, people need to figure out how to get some freaking energy right now because everybody's been stuck, (laughs) you know, in their homes. Like now their home offices are there and that, you know, blurring those lines between work life and home life. So we learned a lot about uh, kind of what was going on during the pandemic and people's sleep definitely got worse. The second thing we did, the second survey was to 5,000 of my different chronotypes to ask them about this thing called their body type, which we've already been talking about. And one of the things that we found is we found something that was fairly interesting. Normally, we would have expected there to be fairly even numbers of each one of the body types within the chronotypes. It turned out that that actually wasn't the case. So we very rarely found endomorphs who were lions. So lions being the get up really early, high focus on fitness, you know, very few sleep problems type of thing. They have a tendency to be the long and lean people. Whereas the endomorphs who have a tendency to be a bit little bit on the bigger side, they have a tendency to be very different in terms of they have a slower metabolism. And so they want to do different types of exercises. That was another thing that we started asking people their preferences. Here's the thing, if you tell an endomorph to go run three miles, they're just going to look at you and walk away, okay? Because it's a miserable experience, right? You can't motivate somebody to do an exercise that they don't want to do. And when they do it and they fail at it, because endomorphs are not cardio people, right? They're never going to do it again. So we learned with endomorphs, we do major body exercises, like they're good at push-ups, they're good at bench presses, they're good at knee bends and squats, they're good at moving big weight. Right. Because they've got more girth to them that can support something like that. So we also learned through this survey what exercises they like and which ones they don't. We want people to exercise daily, but more important, we want people to move daily. There's two very big differences here. And I want to be very specific about this. So in the book, what we've done is we've created a movement schedule, not an exercise schedule. You're not going to sweat from this. You're not going to get bigger muscles from this, but you're going to get consistent energy because as I believe it was Einstein said, a body at rest tends to stay at rest and a body in motion tends to stay in motion. I want to adopt those physical principles to the body and get people to move.
1: Very interesting. So then let's go back to, you know, hey, I love being a mm-hmm. guinea pig, even, yeah. even though I'm a bear. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that uh, you're a guinea bear. Let's, yeah, let's use that. So if, if I'm a, a bear endomorph, what would that look like?
0: We would call you a slow bear, right? So ectomorph is a fast metabolism. Mesomorph is a medium metabolism. Endomorph is a slow metabolism. So you're an endomorph, so you're a slow, early bear, right? Because you have a tendency to kind of wake up a little Mm -hmm. bit earlier. So we would have a very specific movement program for you, and I'll tell you what it would be. What we have people do, so in chapter one of the book, we have people monitor their energy. And I'll tell you why. Because most people don't know where their energy levels are until they're too low lots of people complain to me, oh, Michael, I've got no energy. Nobody's ever complained to me, Michael, I've got too much energy. Like, calm me down, Michael. Like that, I've never had that happen in my career. So people only seem to notice it when it's low, not when it's at their par or high. So we have people five times throughout the day for literally one second, really closer to a minute. You have put an alarm on your phone. So after breakfast, you check in and zero to 10, where do you feel energetically? Then right before lunch, zero to 10, where do you feel? after lunch, just before dinner, and just before bed. So five separate times. Because what we have to do is we have to find your energy highs and your energy lows, because you don't even know what your energy lows are. If we figure out when your energy lows happen, we can figure out what type of energy is being zapped. And then we have a solution for that type of energy. So in the movement category, there's five separate movements. So as a slow early bear, I would have you wake up and you would do stretches only for five minutes. And it's nothing crazy. You can even do it while you were brushing your teeth. It's arms up. It's arms to the side. It's arms out. It's doing a little of these literally just to kind of get the body moving because you've been lying in bed for, you know, six, seven, eight hours. We want to kind of get you going here. The second movement strategy is to shake. So you have a dog. You know what I'm talking about. What happens when your dog wakes up? Urgh, they yeah. do that crazy shaky thing. Right, like I just did it, and my I feel more energetic. You know, like like if you shake, you'd be surprised. What you're doing is you're taking your focus from one thing that it's been on for a while, and you're putting your focus back on yourself for about three or four minutes. Having that break, number one, is very helpful. But number two, when you shake, you actually push the blood out distally, so it's not all centered in your core. And I usually recommend that you stand up and shake so that you can shake your butt, shake your legs, shake your hips, shake your shoulders all of those things. But what it does is it really moves the blood around and gets you energized again without caffeine. Ah, now we're talking. The third one is a jump. And so jumping jacks, you can actually have a trampoline, you know, one of those little rebounder things that you probably had in the closet and haven't used in a million years. And crack that sucker out and bounce on it, jump up and down, literally skip five minutes. That's it. We're not talking about breaking a sweat here. We're just talking about giving yourself a break. Because remember, sitting is the new smoking, okay? The more we sit, the worse it is. So all this is doing is getting you to move your body a little bit. The fourth one is called a build. I um, mean, this is where we use a major muscle group. So a push-up, a sit-up, a deep knee bend. Again, something to just get those muscles active. Again, this is not... Your exercise program, this is your movement program to just keep you with this consistent, clean energy. And then the final one is a balance. So at the end of the night, we have people do like a tree pose. We have people doing different balance work. Number one, you can't think of anything else. And number two, it slowly gives you you know some runway to sort of land that plane. We give you very specific times to do all of these. We call this the five and five. So five exercises for five minutes a piece. But this is your movement schedule. It's specific based on your chronotype and we give you movements that your body type would like. So as an endomorph, we're not going to be asking you to go do cardio for five minutes because you would hate that and you would never do that again. But we might ask you to do 10 pushups, right? Because that's something that you could probably do pretty easily. So keeping that motivation is good because also once you achieve the goal, we get the happiness factor and that has to do with emotional energy, right? So there's four different types of energy that we address in the book. Food energy, we've kind of already talked about that with uh, intermittent fasting. Movement energy, which we just sort of went over with the different movements and different muscle groups. We have emotional energy, which I just highlighted a little, but we could definitely double tap more on that. And then something we call resting energy, not sleeping energy, but resting energy, which is kind of a new area to discover as well.
1: Very cool. So we've talked about two of those 4 mm-hmm. let's talk about the third one, which was
0: emotional energy. emotional
1: energy. And then let's talk about that last one. And then I've got a curveball question. Ooh, I can't to wait. throw into all the,
0: the mix. So. I love it. I love the curveball. Yes. Okay. So emotional energy. Here's the thing that a lot of people don't think about it in our lives. There are people we have to label them as emotional vampires. Okay. You know who they are. I know you do, right? There's some one person, maybe 10, hopefully you're not married to them, but you might be that they suck the life right out of you. Maybe they're a negative person. Maybe they're going through a really hard time right now and they really need a lot of you and your energy and it's pulling it out of you. Um, There's a lot of reasons why these people exist and it's not always their fault. And sometimes we're really trying to help them out, but we have to be guarded with our own energy because if we give too much of it away, then we ourselves, we will burn out and it won't be good. So I've got several different solutions when you've dealt with an emotional vampire. And one of them is be kind. Kindness changes your entire energetic profile. When you do something that's a kind act for somebody that you care about or that is in need, you feel good energetically. You've given energy to help somebody in in a situation that they may need help in, and you feel good about having done it. It literally changes your entire energetic profile just by being kind. More simple one, music, okay? So I'll give you a great example. So my son, Cooper, hates to get up in the morning. He's a teenager. Of course he hates to get up in the morning. He's 19 years old. When he was living here at the house, here's what I said to him. I said, you get to be the morning DJ. Mmm, this sounded pretty good to him. I said, here's what you can do. At 7 a.m., you can put on whatever music you want, Three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Your sister gets Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and there's no music on Sundays. And um, he absolutely loved it. If you think about it, right? Like if you're driving along and a good song comes on, what do you do? You start bopping around, you getting into it. It completely changes your energetic profile literally in seconds, right? So my son would play Beastie Boys. You have to fight for your right to party every morning at 7 a.m., that was his tune that woke us up. It was awesome. That's great. The whole house loved it. We were all bopping around. Got to fight for your right to party. Like we were having a great time, right? But it changes you energetically almost instantly, which becomes a, a really good tool that you can use. To be honest with you, I keep a playlist on my phone. I call it the new funky. And so when I'm in a bad funk, I push that. I'm out of it, like literally in seconds, depending upon which song I'm listening to. So it's fun to be able to have that and be able to change that energetic profile. The last one is laughter. Another great one, right? So my son uh, used to send me jokes each day, like he was on a website where you get a joke of the day type of thing. So number one, it was cool that my son was sending them to me and that made me feel good just participating in seeing them. But some of them were really funny and um, it was fun to laugh at them, to pass them on to some friends. But it changed my profile energetically once again. So I knew that between one and three in the afternoon, because I was measuring my energy level, that was kind of my low period, which tends to be a low period for many different people. Specifically wolves, we have a tendency, we're slowly starting to get more and more energy as that night comes up. But between one and three, usually right after lunch is definitely a low period for me. And so I was able to insert some emotional energizers during that period of time. And now I don't have that sludge in the middle of the afternoon, which is kind of cool. The final one is resting energy. That's the one you wanted me to get to. Yes. And then you're going to throw me the curveball. Uh-huh. So resting energy is really interesting because it's not sleeping energy, which is what most people think. So there's now data looking at something called non-sleep deep rest. Okay. So this is you're in the bed, lights are off, no sound, eyes closed, not asleep, but lying there relaxing. That is rejuvenative. And many people have no idea that this is actually good for you. So honestly, if you wake up at 2.30 in the morning, it's okay. If you just lie there and relax, you're still getting some level of rejuvenation. It's not quite sleep. But if you lie there for an hour, it's worth about 20 minutes of sleep in this non-sleep deep rest, according to the science. So that also helps lower people's anxiety or tells them to take a nap during the day, right? So at night, if they're having issues, we now know non-sleep, deep rest, that's okay. I can lie here and still get some rejuvenation. But if I'm really dragging ass during the day, I recommend a nap. There's a lot of really good data surrounding napping. But let's be clear, you're not napping for an hour and a half. Uh, you're not even napping for 25 or 30 minutes. We're talking a 20-minute nap here, 20 to 25-minute nap maximum. And I think I talked about it last time on the show, but I can't remember. I have a technique called a nappa latte where you drink a cup of coffee before you take your nap. And when you wake up, you're zinging. So here's the crazy part, Eric, is I was approached by a company who's turned the Napa Latte into a product and they've actually leveled it up. It's much better. Oh, wow. So it's called Napjitsu. I'll send you some if you want to try it. I would I love, love the to name. try it, yeah. Isn't the name awesome? Yeah, so it's called Nepjitsu. It's a really cool product and there's a, a very mild sedative. So it's got some magnolia bark and some passion flower for people who can't fall asleep during the day. And then you take these other pills it gives you 100 milligrams of caffeine and it gives you 600 milligrams of nootropics. So you've got like L-theanine, L-tyrosine, like things. So you wake up with focus, energy, not just energy. So what they've done is they've given you some sleep which lowers your overall sleep drive, which is good. Then they've added some caffeine to pep you up and then they give you focus to get you in. So that nap jitsu product is pretty cool and it works well uh, if you need to take a nap during the day.
1: That's very cool. I am a high endorser of naps for sure. And I definitely echo or resonate with the resting energy because often I'll say, you know what? I know I'm not going to fall asleep, but what I need to do is just almost turn off all inputs. And so yep. I'll get in a, you know, I'll go to the bed and I'll, I'll turn it, I'll make it dark or I'll put a mask on to cover my eyes yeah. and just I use masks all the time. Yeah, just reduce sound, sight, you know, light, all those things, all um, stimulation. Yes. All stimulation. In, in other words, because we're mm-hmm. constantly overstimulated, staring at so screens true. and Ugh. bombardment, noise, sound, sight, all that kind of stuff. And so to have that, it's almost like create your own hyperbolic chamber in a way. Yeah.
0: Right. Absolutely. But dark.
1: Yes. But dark. <laughs> exactly. So that's very cool. Very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I definitely want to try Nappuccino. Oh, not Nappuccino. Nap-jitsu. I've heard somebody else refer to this. Take the shot of coffee. Mm-hmm. At, yep. Like They do it. One, a special shot and they'd call it Napuccino. But I right. I want napjitsu So you do. Yeah, Trust me. On this I'll
0: get you. I'll have some sent to you. No problem.
1: So I know that my curveball probably not going to be much of a curveball because it has to do with caffeine. And we've already transitioned there unintentionally, which is great. So I'm going to go back and I'm thinking of the intermittent fasting and the role that caffeine would play in that. So if I'm, Mm -hmm. again, if I am a slow early bear, Mm -hmm. but I'm not supposed to be eating until 11, where does coffee fall into that?
0: Great question. So the good news is coffee is almost zero calories if you have it black. So don't put in any sugar, don't put any cream in it. And you can start drinking coffee as an early bear approximately 90 minutes after your normal wake up time. So if you make your wake up time consistent, which it should be, then 90 minutes later. So I'm guessing your wake up time is around 730 or so. Does that make sense? Six to
1: 630.
0: Okay, 6 to 6.30. So you, so you are an early bear. Yes. Got it. So you are an early bear. So then if you're getting up at 6.30, then you could have your first cup of coffee at eight o'clock and it won't affect your intermittent fasting, but you can't have more because remember black coffee has almost, I think it's like zero calories or like one or two calories in it. So just be careful and drink your coffee black, don't have cream or sugar in it and you should be fine. Won't Got affect it. your autophagy at all.
1: Got it. And so then additionally, having maybe more coffee later in the day. Maybe that would be when to tie it into, not coffee, but the nap jitsu, tie yeah. that into a natural exactly. trough of energy, make that the extension into the rest exactly.
0: of the Exactly. So one of the things that's interesting is there's been a lot of data by Dr. Sarah Mednick. She's an, a napping researcher, believe it or not. And her data, which is very good, shows that you should nap approximately seven hours after you wake up. That seems to be the timing of the best possible nap without it being so disruptive to your sleep at night. So if you wake up at 6.30, the timing of your nap seven hours later would be 1.30. I think I did the math right on that. So yeah, that would be perfect. So right when we said between 1 and 3. Yeah.
1: So, so pretty much when we get done talking, I should go take a nap, in other words.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: <laughs> the other thing is then obviously we don't want to have, I believe it was you or it was somebody else, but the half-life of caffeine where it's still left in your system. Correct you know, depending upon your chronotype.
0: Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about that for just a second. So the half-life of caffeine is between six and eight hours. Lions have a tendency to metabolize faster than wolves. That's just kind of where it's at with them. But generally speaking, that means half of the caffeine is still going to be in your system. So if you stop at, let's say two o'clock, which is my general recommendation across all chronotypes is to stop caffeine by 2 p.m. You still have fifty five zero percent of that caffeine in you. So you need to be careful about how much caffeine you put into the system, right? So I would tell people if you can keep it to under two to three cups in a day, you're going to be in good shape and stop by two at the latest, latest, latest. It shouldn't have too much of an effect on your sleep. But as an example, if you're a dolphin, who's my high anxious individual, who's got high energy levels anyway, I don't want you drinking caffeine. That's a mess right? That's just so I would have you stopping much earlier if you even need caffeine. In all honesty, for my dolphins, I like them to either exercise or have sex in the morning because it actually helps lower, it helps calm them down because they get some of that energy out and that can be very helpful for them. So for my dolphins... I try to keep them away from caffeine if I possibly can.
1: Yeah. So don't feed the dolphins caffeine. Sounds like a, right. a good rule for humans and literal dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Michael, it's been awesome talking with you. We're going to have to do this again and unpack even more as we progress through our current state in history and, and the way we can get better sleep. But I want to get people to where they can get the book. You mentioned a URL earlier. Let's say that again in any other place we need to to get people to get their chronotype, their body type, the book, all that good stuff.
0: So one website will do it all. If you go to energizemyself.com or myenergyquiz.com, either one of those will bring you right to where you can buy the book, take the quiz, learn more. You'll love it. I promise. And if you want to learn more just about me in general, follow me on social. My handle is the Sleep Doctor. doctor's all spelled out.
1: Awesome. Michael, it's been great talking with you, and let's not wait five years to do it again.
0: I know. Tell me something, Eric. I am thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled that you're still here. This is a long-running podcast, which means you've got great listeners, great content. I cannot thank you enough for having me on the show once again. I really appreciate it, and thanks to all of your tribe members for listening. Well, that's
1: another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Michael Bruce. I always enjoy talking with him. He's so energetic. Obviously, he's getting enough sleep. So I think that warrants a little bit of credibility towards what he's been saying in the episodes he's been on. I know that the chronotype really helped me out back when I first talked to him about it a few years ago, back in 2017-ish, I think, and... I think this is yet another book that's going to combine not only the findings of using the chronotype and leaning into it, but also your body type and even intermittent fasting. Again, that's done wonders for me in the past. Been doing it again recently since I talked with him, recorded this a little while ago before releasing it. And I got to say, I am feeling more energetic, more awake, even with this darker, more gray out weather that this time of year in winter has for us. It's been helping a bit. So leaning into the chronotype, leaning into the intermittent fasting, doing the activities as small and as simple as they can be at the times that I need to be doing them, it's starting to make a big difference. So I encourage you to grab not only his original book, but this new one as well. And you can find both of those at the show notes for this episode at list.com. That is also where you could hit the share button to do me the favor of sharing this episode with somebody. If you found this episode helpful, I would love for you to do me that favor, but do also this favor for them, that person you're thinking of that needs to either get better sleep or get a little bit more physically active or dip their toe into intermittent fasting or all of the above. Like I said, a combination of all three things is actually doing really good for me right now. Can't wait to see what more progress happens in that area. But if you wouldn't mind, share it with that person you're thinking of that you know needs to hear this conversation. Hit the share button in your podcast player app of choice wherever you're listening to this or over on those show notes, like I mentioned. And that would be an amazing favor for me and for them. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next episode.